This is LifeLinks with a DL link. 101.9 Chai FM. Good afternoon to you. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. My name's Nikki Seberini and I really am delighted to be with you, especially when we're bringing um, new research, new treatments um, onto the show, which is something we always like to do. And of course, you know, a, a lot of attention um, is drawn to Israel when it comes to new innovations and new treatments. And that seems to be the place where the uh, where there's a lot of research happening because um, we know that um, many of our cancer warriors are, are going to Israel for, for some of their treatments, those who are in a position to do so. So we're going to be crossing over to Israel. I have Eyal Shamir on the on the line. He is the CEO of Ice Cure Medical. And we're going to be talking about uh, this uh, new treatment. Well, I think it's new. Certainly it hasn't hit South Africa yet. Um, and it's called Ice Cure Treatment. And it's it, it's it's a a cryoblation, it's a freezing away of tumors in the breast. But I, I'm not going to tell you um, anymore. I certainly am not the expert. Um, Eyal is. Eyal, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much. I highly appreciate you having me together with you. Well, we highly appreciate it, Eyal. You know, as I was saying, so many, um, so much research and new kinds of treatments coming out of Israel all the time, which is quite extraordinary, really. And just hearing about this, um, this ice cure treatment, um, which pertains to helping, I know, with uh, breast cancer and I know with um, fibroids as well, I believe. Perhaps you can just tell us, Eyal, um, a little bit about this kind of treatment. IceQ are developed and and market the most advanced cryoablation technology using uh, liquid nitrogen. Uh, We are mainly focused on on breast tumors, uh, both fibroadenoma, which is a benign tumor, but mainly on uh, malignant uh, cancer tumors. As of now, we are treating uh, early-stage breast cancer as an alternative uh, to partial dissection, uh, professionally they call it lumpectomy. This is a partial uh, mastectomy of the breast. And the medical world as well as patients are looking now uh, more and more for minimally invasive solution. So we are offering this cryoablation in order uh, to kill completely uh, the breast cancer tumor and in, within an office, a doctor office environment, uh, the patient is fully awake, uh, just a local anesthesia, hmm. uh, and all the recovery and all the related cost is about quarter of, of the surgery, and, and even more importantly, the patient, the lady, is not uh, losing half or a big part of the breast. Wow. Absolutely incredible. So just to, so just to say, repeat what you're saying. It's, it's the early stages and it's an alternative to a lumpectomy. And, um, if you can just tell us, Eyal, you, you use the word cryoablation, cryoablation. What is that? Uh, actually, it's, uh, it, it is a needle, uh, very similar to a biopsy needle that mm-hmm. is connected uh, to a system. Uh, and, and the needle is going, like the biopsy needle, is going directly to the tumor as uh, image-guided technology. The breast surgeon or the radiologist, all they need is a bed for the patient, local anesthesia, and a standard ultrasound to see the tumor, to see the navigation of this needle. Uh, only 
at the tip of the needle, we are creating an ice ball. Mm -hmm. All the rest of the needle is fully isolated, so we are not damaging any good tissue of the breast and and the patient. And at the tip of the throat, we are creating an ice ball with the safety margins on, and this ice ball is killing completely the tumor and and the safety margins on instead of just doing this uh, uh, mess out uh, and and to do this uh, surgery, which having, you know, a scar and some other damages to the breast. And so so you're freezing. So basically you're freezing this tumor and you leave it still in the breast. So you're not removing the tumor, am I correct? Yeah, so it's yeah, killing that tumor. correct. We yes. are uh, uh, freezing uh, the tumor uh, at the tip. The temperature is going down uh, to minus 170, and we are creating a dead tissue, which uh, professionally they call it necrosis. And even this necrosis uh, um, tissues, the dead tissues even stimulate the immune system of the patients. So even if the patient has some uh, micro cancer disease, this stimulation of the immune system, it's helping even to recover from some other uh, micro tissues in other places in the body. Uh, and, and this dead tissue will be cleaned from the body like uh, through the uh, lymphatic, uh, uh, like any dead tissue in our body, it's cleaned over time. Absolutely. But we are incredible. not removing anything from the shape and the size of the breast. Uh, we are not creating any damage, but more importantly, uh, it's curing the patients. Incredible, um, Eyal. Um, if you can just um, give me an idea of what the success rate um, has been like using this treatment. Um, we, we have, uh, this is firstly, you know, uh, considerably a pretty new, uh, you know, technology in Japan. Uh, we have one of the most important uh, breast cancer center, and they did until today over 350 cases and only two patients has a recurrence, hmm. which is less than 1%. Yeah. And in the U.S., uh, we are about to finish our ICES risk clinical study, multi-site study, 18 sites. Uh, some of them are the most important breast cancer uh, sites in the U.S. And until now, we have uh, one recurrence out of 146 patients that we reported last May which again, it's the same result like in Japan. It's less than 1%, while the recurrence rate in the U.S. for the standard surgery is about even uh, over 5%. Hmm. So as of now, uh, we have a very good uh, uh, results. Indeed you do. And perhaps before we do say goodbye, Eyal, perhaps you can just tell me, is this specifically for breast cancer, the, the tumor in the breast? And do you think you would be able to use this kind of technology for other tumors? Yeah, we, ISQ, uh, ISQ is even now uh, approved uh, by CE, FDA and other countries. And we are treating also kidney cancer, lung cancer, liver, bone metastasis cancer, mainly as a palliative uh, treatment, very effective. And early next year, we will start also with the new approach of prostate cancer. So we are not limited 
uh, only to breast, and this technology could serve to other tumors as well. Wow. You know, you know, we, 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 I know that, 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 uh, this treatment is not available in South Africa yet. I am going to be talking to Dr. Nadine Bruce, um, who's talking about, um, this treatment hopefully coming to South Africa next year, but we'll expand on that. But I'm sure many of our listeners, Eyal, are very excited about, uh, um, this treatment that you're talking about. And please God, we're going to be seeing it in South Africa soon. I mean, it's, um, uh, yeah, it just sounds incredibly uh, uh, positive. So thank you so much for joining us and explaining it so well um, to me and to our listeners. We do appreciate it. Thank you very much, and I will be more than happy that this technology will be in South Africa soon and later in all in all Africa. Wonderful. Please, God. Thank you, Eyal. Take care, and thank you for joining thank, us. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break after the break. Dr. Nadine, Nadine Bruce, stay with us. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. Thank you so much for staying with us. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. I'm Nikki Seberini and wow, what a fascinating conversation we just had with Eyal Shamir in Israel, CEO of the IceCure Medical Limited, talking about this new treatment. And let's see how and when this kind of treatment will hit South Africa and the impact it's going to have um, on breast cancer warriors. Um, so I have Dr. Nadine Bruiser in the studio. She is a specialist surgeon um, and she specializes in, in breast surgery. Nadine, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Good morning, Nikki, and good morning, listeners. Thank you for inviting me today. Well, I'm absolutely fascinated um, that this kind of treatment is around um, because I'm thinking about lump, it's a lumpectomy. Have I pronounced it? Is that yes. the? In general, the, the treatment for breast cancer surgically is either lumpectomy or mastectomy. However, um, as in, in anything in the world, treatment moves in cycles. So we've got, gone th- from a drastic treatment where it's a radical mastectomy in the olden days. Mm-hmm. We have moved through uh, lumpectomies, and now we're coming to even less invasive types of, of treatment for breast cancer. So I know that, that you're a great believer in seeing each person as an individual there's no one treatment not one size fits all and you're looking very much at the individual and you you were here when we were talking to Eyal about this treatment and you know all about this treatment because you're hoping to bring it to South Africa Um, so let's talk about this I mean if there is this minimally invasive type of treatment they can take a tumor and it's early stages is that important that it has to be early stages this treatment has Certain definitive indications, okay. yes. Um, it has to be a certain size, definitely less than two centimeters. The age of the patient is important. It works especially well in older ladies. Um, Why older? Sorry, I keep interrupting you. Why not younger? Because we know that more and more young <clears throat> women are being diagnosed with breast cancer. More and more younger women are being diagnosed with breast cancer. However, the younger you are, usually the worse the prognosis is. Okay. So we'd rather then give you a full spectrum of treatment, whereas in an older lady, if we can just treat the tumor locally, 
she doesn't have to be exposed to all the other kinds of treatment that uh, we're offering at the moment. Okay. And w- what age group are you looking at when you're saying an older lady? I know it's difficult to be specific, but um, from, from the age of about 50, but definitely 70 and older. Okay. So you said that the requirements are, one, it has to be less than two mm-hmm. centimeters. It's more successful with women who are older. Are there any other um, requirements for this particular type of treatment? Well, we still go through the whole workup of any, every single patient that uh, presents, and uh, that will also include lo- having a look at the axilla for sentinel nodes and um, looking at the mammogram and sonar images and so on and so on. So, yes, you have to look at every single patient, every aspect of every patient. Okay. So at the moment, if we're not using this um, this ice cure treatment, um, a lumpectomy is going in and removing a small tumor. It's not removing the whole breast. It's moving the tuna or tumor or part of the tissue around that tumor. Am I correct? Perhaps that's, you can expand and explain. That's a <coughs> excuse me. That's hundred percent correct, Nikki. Um, you there are a couple of different. Surgical approaches. Yes, a mastectomy is the most radical one. And then you can either just remove the tumor with a margin of at least a centimeter around it, mm-hmm. or you can do, uh, you can use different plastic surgical techniques where you would p- possibly do a, a reduction and lift and taking out parts of the breast like okay. that okay. Yes. okay so so now there's this treatment which is literally freezing and destroying a tumor it, it which is, is incredible i mean when you first heard of this and you kind of saw these kind of results what, what did you what did you think no, it's it's absolutely amazing um it has its limitations possibly yes um as we mentioned the younger patients possibly to it might not be that successful, and um, I think it has great possibilities, as Eyal mentioned, for fibroadenomas, which are not malignant tumors. But the number of young ladies with, that present with fibroadenomas and then undergo surgery is because if you have the is it is that a fibroid? You're just giving it the longer name, yes, fibroid. Okay. Yes. So if it's a fibroid, you, you some some doctors would recommend a hysterectomy, or no, they would just no, remove no, the we, fibroids. We talk, no, we're talking. I'm specifically talking about fibroadenomas, which are benign breast lumps. Oh, in the breast. Oh, yes, sorry, no, I misunderstood no, it completely. No, um, <clears throat> uh, in during puberty, especially. Uh, ladies often develop fibroadenomas, mm-hmm. and uh, f- the treatment of that is either wait, watchful waiting, or if it's really bothersome, we can always go and take it out. Where I think this treatment will be especially important is using it f- for these benign tumors, because it it will. Uh, save these patients from going to theater and spending a day in hospital and Mm, so on and so on. mm. And then also in patients with metastatic disease, we can freeze the primary tumor and then we can also, as Yael said, we can treat the metastases at the same time and 
possibly use the immune response that this treatment causes. Hmm. So what is your connection with it, and, and are you going to be instrumental in, in bringing it to South Africa? Well, one of my past patients, mm-hmm. like, can I mention her name? Yes, please uh, go ahead. Addie Lang, uh, who was my patient uh, quite a couple of years ago. We're going to be talking to Addie in just a moment. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, she went on a fact-finding tour to Israel, and... Um, she and David brought back the idea of this ice cure treatment, which then they approached me and asked me my opinion and would I be interested in um, administering this treatment. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, because I look at each patient as an individual, if this treatment is for you, definitely yes. There is a possibility that I can... St- once once it is in South Africa, I can start using it. Hmm. So next year, you're saying, you think, round about next year, we'll be oh, getting it? I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to try. You're not? Okay. Yeah. We're not predicting. I'm no not one can tell the future. No, no. But it is in the future. It's somewhere in the future. The stars yes. are telling us that hopefully this uh, ice cube treatment, and I'm really hoping that people who are listening will put their support behind it, and then there'll be, you know, there'll be requests to look at this kind of treatment here in South Africa. I'm sure they will. We are working on um, companies that can afford to bring this uh, instrument into South Africa. We're working with hospital groups. Um, It's a big organization to try and get this Mm. technology here. But uh, from what Eyal said, um, cost-wise, and also in terms of trauma for patients, you're looking at, People are not having to go in for surgery. This can happen on the, 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 in the, in the treatment, in a treatment room, local or, or general anesthetic, local, or local anesthetic. Yeah. So you're not, it's not surgery. It's also the trauma for the patient. That's, that's, that says no, a lot. It speaks volumes. It will definitely limit the cost to the patient. Um, the initial layout now, to, to bring all the machinery yeah, and the everything. Machine, yeah, I can imagine. Because this ice, ice cure machine is quite um, advanced. It has got sonar screens and probes and the needles and everything connected with the nitrogen cylinder, and it's an amazing thing to see. Fantastic. Well, Nadine, I, I want to thank you very much. I, I want to ask you one more question. Yeah. I wanted to ask you. Can the patient feel? So I know the pa- patient has the, the, the anesthetic, the localized anesthetic. They're not going to feel much. Mm-hmm. But after the anesthetic has worn off, are they going to feel something very cold in their breast? The cold, the coldness acts as a added local anesthetic. So no, they, no. they don't really, Incredible. they don't feel pain. They might possibly feel a bit of coldness, yes, as you describe it, but, um, no pain. No pain. Whatsoever. Incredible. Dr. Bruiser, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for coming into the studio. I really do hope that you have a lot of success with companies and hospitals and medical aids um, supporting you in bringing this treatment into South Africa. We hear of these alarming statistics, the increase in breast cancer, um, and if this is a particular treatment that can help in a particular area, let's hope we can bring it here. Thank you so much. Lovely having you on the show.
Thank you, Nikki. Um, we are going to continue after the break. Eddie Lang, um, Dr. Bruiser was talking about her, and she's been on the show before, and she is a breast, breast cancer warrior, and she's the founder of the Forever Changed campaign. And she says, you know, you don't just accept anything. You question and you find your truth and your treatment, and this is your body. So Eddie will be joining us in a moment after the break. Stay with us. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. You're listening to 101.9 High FM. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Of course, the DL Link founded all the way back in 2010 by Michelle Goodman and Jackie Otsula, um, helping cancer warriors, their families, their friends, supporting them in a way um, that they don't get support anywhere else, becoming a part of a community, a, fan, uh, a family, um, just this wonderful um, connection and support. And so it's through you, our listeners, that we continue to do the work that we do, and we hope um, that every time you tune into the show, you're finding out about new treatments, you're being inspired by our warriors, um, and also the experts who share their, their their information with you. That's what we hope to do. So we had Eddie in the studio a while ago. Um, Eddie has had her own experience with breast cancer. She is a breast cancer warrior, um, a founder of Forever Changed, um, and just a, a formidable um, and powerful force in the whole cancer journey and, and a very important one at that. Um, and Eddie had a lot to do with uh, bringing this treatment or certainly an awareness of this treatment to South Africa and hopefully bringing the treatment to South Africa. But Eddie will tell you a little bit more about it. And when I say treatment, it's a treatment we've been talking about um, on the show, which is the Ice Cure treatment. So Eddie Lang, welcome. Back thank you to so the DL Link Show. Lovely to have you. So glad to be here again, and just thank you to DL, and thank you for what you're doing. You look amazing. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Thank so, t- for those listeners who don't know about Eddie Lang, when were you diagnosed? Tell us very briefly so, your story. Um, diagnosed in 2014, went through mastectomy and chemotherapy immediately, which was immediately it was so rushed. Yeah, couldn't get there fast enough. Yeah. And in the last four years, David and I have become cancer coaches, so we are accredited. We help people go through something similar to what DL Link is doing, but on a much smaller scale, Mm -hmm. um, because we've done community service for four years. We're not really funded. Mm -hmm. Um, We self-funded. So we've helped many, many people go through the cancer journey, but our big focus now is the corporate world, because what's happening You know, when you go back to work and there's maternity leave and there's maternity back to work programs, um, that's what's happening. And parenting. So there's a a whole wind of activity in the corporate world about looking after people that are coming back to work from having a baby. And sadly, there's nothing in the workplace which is designed as a back to work program for cancer warriors. So you've got somebody that's just been diagnosed, they go back to work, they're in a state, and the work environment is not equipped to help them in any way. Mm-hmm. So performance suffers, job suffers, pressure increases, all the things that somebody that's going through cancer actually shouldn't have to deal with. So we're very involved in the HR world. We are accredited by the SA Board for People Practices, which is the HR governing body. In South Africa, and we've designed a program um, that we sell to corporates 
to help them go through the cancer journey. And we're unindated. We, we actually invite corporates to reach out to us. We have become a watchdog. Um, we're known as watchdogs. Some companies have got nothing in place for cancer survivors. Um, you know, we say do more than wear a pink ribbon. October comes and goes. Everybody shaves their head and wears a pink ribbon, and it actually doesn't help mm. a cancer warrior mm. 24-7 going mm. through cancer all the time. Mm. Pinktober's over. Let's Pink-tober. do more. So, Eddie, let's talk about it. So mm. uh, what should companies be looking at? Well, um, uh, you've got some cancer warriors who are going to work uh, while they have. I mean, uh, our next cancer warrior who's going to be chatting to us, Gemma, I know that she started a business and you know so she worked throughout but there are those who can't work um so so what are you telling companies what what kind of benefits should there be what kind of support should there be what's important well to start off with south africa has got no cancer policy in place so we were mentioned in parliament at the national assembly in august Mm -hmm. uh, what we're doing to try and get a formal cancer uh, policy into the workplace So that's Department of Labor Department of Health um, We've held a press conference So we've actually addressed the issue In Parliament In the UK Cancer is a disability in the workplace So they get um, It's an unfortunate word Disability Yeah but I'm just thinking of the, the mindset of someone coming And seeing as a disability When actually I'm sure that they want to just Okay so here's hey. the thing Somebody goes through cancer And they want to just ease back Into the life they had before diagnosis And it never happens This is a new person This is a complete Three 60 degree change Mm. So you can't expect the person to go back Into the work environment Of course they're going to say Don't worry I'm fine my treatment's over I can manage Um, Firing from all cylinders And it just doesn't happen So within a year to two years They puff themselves up Because they're back at work And slowly but surely That whirlwind comes Okay. And they land crashed at okay. the bottom. Okay. Each and so, every case. So it's so just a matter of time. Really, sure. Adrian. So in Gemma's case, because we've done a lot of um, research about her, yeah, we're saying you don't have to have reconstruction. Absolutely, she's a brain. Well, we'll get there. We haven't even yeah, spoken to her. Absolutely, but wait. what I'm saying to you is that Gemma was in her own business. I'm, I was in my own business. The business crashes and folds and things happen. Mm. If you haven't got insurance and dreaded disease cover, you're going to crash financially. 42% of people going through work in the work environment crash financially within two years. So this is somebody that's already at work and they've got all their policies in mm. place. They cannot function. Mm. And that's what the corporate HR department has got no idea, the HR world in South it. Africa, of dealing with it. So let's talk, Eddie, because I interrupted you. You said in the UK it's seen as a disability. And how does that impact a cancer uh, warrior? Okay. Well, first of all, their company is educated through education programs like what we've created Mm -hmm. over the last two years, where companies actually get CPD points for attending our learnership programs. Mm -hmm. So we're fully accredited. There's no excuse for a corporate to not have a cancer policy in place and have no support systems in place. And huge companies currently 
Sanson, the corporate world, have got no cancer policies. But in let's place. go back to, I want mm. to go back to the UK. You said they've got a disability yeah, policy. How does that impact a cancer warrior? Okay. Kind of? My, my, uh, reluctance to go into it is that it's not available to South Africa. It's not here. Yes, but you, so you wanting to bring it and you're talking about that there's a gap here in South Africa. So tell me what it is that you want. If okay, it's in the UK, corporates. if it's working in the UK, what do you want here in South Africa? So we want corporates to have a formal cancer policy in their, pl- in their workplace as a policy. Yes. Which means that when somebody gets cancer, the company is already well-versed in how to cope, not scrambling out to us to say, quickly, we've got nothing in place, put something in place, we don't know how to help the people. So whether it's a government thing, whether the government actually implements and force companies to have a formal cancer policy, like a formal HIV policy, it's going to be up to the individual corporates to actually understand there's an elephant in the room and their company is not equipped because there's nothing in their policy. So it's an awareness to say other countries are dealing with cancer in the workplace in a very different way to how South Africa is. So let's talk about it practically because mm. you're going into HR and I, I love that you're educating HR, that you're wanting it to be a, a policy within the workplace. Okay. Fantastic. But let's make it something that our audience um, can relate to. So you spoke about people spiraling. So after a few, they come back, you know, this is it, I'm back. But you're saying people's lives have changed. They've changed psychologically, Completely. physiologically they've changed. And within a few years, you're having this burnout. So how can a company support, um, without it being in a policy, if you can expand it, how can a company support a person who's coming back to work so that they are held, so that they're encouraged, that they can still grow, so that there are opportunities without that burnout a few years later? Okay, so the burnout is related to mental health Yeah. because it's not a burnout, it's a depression that comes in. A depression, okay. They can't fit into their lives the way it was. So there are many ways that uh, companies can change, but the line managers and the managers are not trained in any way to say, what can I do to help you? Okay, now they can't ask the cancer warrior when when the cancer warrior comes back. You can't ask them that Mm. because they're worried about their jobs. So they'll say, I don't need any help. They don't want to be singled out. Yeah, Mm. I'm fine. Mm. I've had the surgery. I've had the chemotherapy. I'm, I'm fine. So it's up to the company to get consultants in and say, what are we going to do if and when people in our company have got work? We know of many cases, which are CCMA cases, where while the people were still in hospital going through the treatment, already retrenched. I mean, the people are being fired and people have got no rights in the workplace in South Africa, that's why it's so important um, that there is a formal cancer policy. Mm. But we're not waiting for government. We're mm. actually saying, hang on a sec, we're inviting corporates to show true leadership with the precedence that has already been set. I mean, we've showed you our Forbes article magazines, our longevity magazines. We've been on CNBC Africa. We're talking about the business world specifically. Cancer is a problem for all of us. It's a growing problem. It's a growing Mm. problem, and it's not 
going to go away because we just don't think about it. Mm. So the point is there's a precedence that has been set, and it's taken us two years to do this partnership with the Content and Connections Agency who represent one-third of the world's top 30 advertisers. This company have got a people-first approach in their corporate culture, so they're looking after their staff already, and mm-hmm. as it happened, there is somebody in upper management who is currently going through cancer. But I'm saying to other corporates, why does it take one of your employees who happen to be a C-suite to get your policies in place? Don't wait until you're affected. Do your preparation. Be proactive, not reactive. So we're saying cancer at work um, is a particularly big subject. And unless a company, no matter how big or small, actually starts to have the C-suite say to their HR, listen, what actually do we have in place and how can we improve on it? And yes, we do needs analysis. So this is not something I can talk about in 15 minutes on a radio program. We're saying there's a problem. We've identified solutions. Companies can reach out to us. Fantastic. So, Eddie, if people want to, how can they get hold of you? So we on Twitter, at Eddie Lang. we on Facebook, mm-hmm. we on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. The Forever Change Global Awareness Campaign has a website foreverchange.co.za or they can contact us on 074-973-9999. Fantastic. We're working with the public individually as well as the corporates. Now, you mentioned a hashtag cancer at work. Yeah. Tell us about that. So we've registered cancer at work. So that means that we can analyze the following that we have. And we can monitor because people want data and data analytics. So companies talk about return on investment. And we have a a very big audience, 2.6 million. Cancer at Work is registered to Forever Change campaign. And the subject is growing. It doesn't mean because line managers and managers are uncomfortable with the topic. You know, you get a reluctant manager syndrome. They don't want to hear about it. Pass it on to the wellness department. The wellness department doesn't know how to cope with it. Pass it on to ben, um, staff benefits, loyalty programs. People are, are not standing up to the responsibility of implementing something, anything more than there is currently. Hmm. Amazing, Eddie. Changing the laws. <laughs> Changing the laws as passionate today as you were the last time you were on the show. The only and just changing perceptions yeah, exactly. around cancer, exactly. you know, ideas, laws. It's yeah. your mission. This is what the, you do. The, the, the warrior. <laughs> the passion is not about me anymore because I was passionate about how we started as um, medical negligence. It's not about me anymore. It's actually about making a difference to other people. That are going through cancer And that's what it's become For David and I It's become our life's work Amazing So you were uh, You were in Israel in March That's and right And that's where you became aware Of this uh, ice cure treatment um, That's right, yeah <clears throat> David's a chemical engineer He did four years of study 
um, from a technical point, understanding what are the breakthrough treatments. And as it happens, Israel is um, a leader in the cancer world. So David studied under various oncologists that are world top class. Um, we found this particular treatment, and it would have been an option for me or anyone else to replace a lumpectomy, as you've heard already. But we brought so for it. you, was it was yours a lumpectomy? You, it I was didn't a have missing. a lumpectomy. Yeah, I'm saying missing, yes. this ask your treatment is comparative to yes, a lumpectomy, yes. but it's non-invasive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got that explanation. Yeah. But for, for your personal experience? That mastectomy. Yeah, you went. Yeah. I remember I that, couldn't the go fast enough, uh-huh. and I couldn't have chemotherapy fast enough. Uh, and the reality is there's a whole other world after that. Mm-hmm. So, it isn't so just, about just very quickly, David, yes. just let's just put David in the Absolutely. in the seat, because David was the one On you the went to. Is the hot. David, take the hot seat. He's Look at him. He's a reluctant. <laughs> Hot, hot, hot seater. Come on, David. We know that. So you're an electri- electrical engineer, a chemical engineer. My goodness, that's a very difficult course. I know someone who's going through it. It's tough. And here you sit. So you were recently, you were recently in Israel, mm-hmm. studying with a whole lot of oncologists, mm-hmm. looking at different treatments. Yes. And and incredibly, Israel is just producing. Well, the research is happening and just producing. Unbelievable treatments. Um, I started off saying quite a few of our warriors have gone off to Israel. Uh, that's correct. Israel is at the forefront of uh, all the best, I would say the best uh, breakthroughs in cancer treatment, which does not involve chemotherapy or, or radiation. There's it does not involve chemotherapy or radiation. radiation. Wow. Uh, there are uh, more than one technology which are tested and proven and uh, FDA approved, and it's already working in the U.S. And uh, it's remarkable how uh, the success rate is uh, is uh, over 99% compared to 2.5% of the other. That's about ASCUR. Mm. That's mm. about ASCUR. There's other technology, not only ASCUR, which, uh, which uh, success rate is um, 70%, and, and if you compi- uh, combine it with... Um, a major dose of vitamin C IV, it reaches above ninety percent success rate. So, so, so you're saying vitamin C, a major dose of vitamin C is very good for you. IV, IV. with the technology, uh, combining with it with the technology. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting that you say the vitamin C, the IV. Is that are you talking about the success with this particular treatment, or are you saying that vitamin C is very good for all cancer treatments? Yeah, <coughs> vitamin C is a non-powerful antioxidant. Right. Now, if you combine it with the with the breakthrough technology, it enhances technology, and and enable the immune system to attack their cancer cells. So it's a combination of technology. It's a multi multi-purpose weaponry. And uh, we visited the clinic. We saw the hardware. We saw the. We we visited the Professor um, uh, Brenner mm-hmm. in his uh, clinic in Tel Aviv. He's sitting on the board directors of quite a few hospitals worldwide, and we saw it's actually working uh, in practice. Right. And uh, it's amazing how a patient. We spoke to patient and uh, how patient uh, react to that, which they do not have to go through all this torture. 
of the, of the radical treatment. Which would be surgery or chemotherapy or exactly. radiotherapy. Exactly. So that's very interesting. So as we're moving into the future, there are more and more choices exactly. that people are able to make. Exactly. Um, and informed choices. Exactly. Right. Our job is to provide uh, factual choices backed up by proofs. And uh, that, that's all. And uh, people have made to make the choice well, mm. what to do. But mm. uh, if you ask my opinion, which is not really uh, uh, backed by uh, t- filtrate proof, it's just an opinion. It's no brainer what to choose. Uh. Uh, but however, uh, the information is lacking. People usually do not know about these breakthroughs. Okay. David, thank you so much. I know Dr. Bruiser was saying that uh, it's all about looking at the individual. That's right. Um, and that there's one particular treatment for one particular person. Exactly. Every individual um, is a special case. And, and I think that that's what you're really trying to push with that. So fantastic. Listen, I'm very excited about this treatment that you've made Dr. Bruiser aware of. Hopefully it will be coming to South Africa. Um, of course, that's the ice cure treatment. Um, and look out for it. We'll, we'll certainly keep you updated. So thank you, Eddie Lang. Wonderful having you, Be gorgeous butterfly lady. Thank you, David. Uh, also lovely having you in the studio. Where's your butterfly, David? Eh? Eddie wears the butterflies in the house, I see. We're going to take a quick break. And after the break, uh, Gemma Cockrell is going to be joining us from the UK. She's a mother of three, um, and she has a fascinating story to share with you. So stay right where you are. This is Lifelinks with a DL link. This is the DL Link Show on 101.9 High FM. This is the show where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. I'm Nikki Seberini. What a fascinating show so far, talking to Eyal Shamir about this new ice cure treatment, uh, Dr. Nadine Bruiser, um, talking about it coming to South Africa, Eddie Lang in the studio, um, looking at changing policies in the workforce, um, helping uh, pa- uh, cancer warriors, ca- cancer patients um, to integrate back into the workplace. And um, just before the break, I did say that I have someone on the line with an extraordinary story. She is our cancer warrior today. Um, and she has had breast cancer, um, and she's really taken quite a different route um, from what we normally discuss here on the show. Gemma Cockrell, welcome. Lovely to have you on the show with us. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's nice to speak to you. Oh, and it's lovely to speak to you too, Gemma. So let's just talk about, I mean, I, I said about, I said your, your story is slightly different because, and, and I think it's incredible because you've embraced um, a, a, a double mastectomy that you had to have in a way that, that, you know, that gets people to sit up and notice in that you didn't um, have any breast implants, you didn't have any breast reconstruction, you had your breasts removed and you decided to um, stay that way, you know, embracing your scars, your flat chest, posing for pictures. And as I said, such an extraordinary story, Gemma, which we're going to get to, but perhaps we can just go back a little bit and tell us about your cancer journey. Yes, of course. Um, I was first diagnosed in um, 2013 with um, breast cancer in my right breast. Mm -hmm. And I had um, about three operations at that point to remove all of the cancer. And then I had a month of radiotherapy. And then I had, uh, it came back in the same breast in 2015. 
and I had to have a mastectomy because you can't have radiotherapy in the same place twice. So um, at that point, I just decided, sort of had a discussion with my husband, who's always been incredibly supportive, and just decided that um, we would just not, I just didn't want to have reconstruction at that point. I just thought, no, I'm I'm just going to embrace it, um, which I did. And then um, I they found some cancer in my left breast in 2017. And so I just decided to have another mastectomy, um, you know, again, and, um, and not reconstruction, obviously. So here I am, flat-chested, very happy. <laughs> I, don't, I, I never wanted to have reconstruction. Just kind of, I just didn't want to put myself through it. And people, you know, friends of mine who had had it, you know, have have suffered differently with that. And I just thought, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm very lucky that I have, you know, a very supportive um, family. My husband's been amazing, you know. And um, I sort of just got on with it, really. And I, I, my story, I suppose, I just want to make women feel that it's okay, mm. you know, that you are still the same person inside, you're, you know, you're still loved by everybody you were loved by before, you're still a loving individual as well, um, you know, and what you, what you look like doesn't change who you are on the inside. Wow. Gemma, wow, you know, I, I, I had a I had a worry on the show quite a while ago, she wrote a book, and in this book... I think it's called Cancer Love Story, Lauren Siegel. And she, she wrote about lying in the bath the night before she was going in for her mastectomy. Um, and it, it's such an interesting description about her breasts and what her breasts meant to her. And what would it be like not yeah. to feel having breasts on her chest? And, you know, for a man to listen, you know, he sees breasts differently to us women. Um, and, and, and a breast is, is a symbol of a fertility, your, your sensuality, your uh, womanhood, or not, you know, uh, or not, or, or, or a breast is there and it's practical because you can breastfeed a child. And that's what's so interesting is that we all have these different relationships with our breasts. And I'm so fascinated that you chose not to, not to have the reconstructive surgery, that you chose to embrace the scars and, and the flat chest. Maybe you can, you've, you've, you've alluded to the fact that, you know, this is who you are. You've been supported for some friends. It was a painful experience having the surgery, but maybe you can take us through your thought process of really coming to terms with getting out of the bath and looking at yourself where you once had breasts and, and now you have a flat chest. Um, yeah, I suppose it's not, it's not easy. And obviously you have good days and bad days and when I'm obviously enclosed it's a lot easier right um the only time I suppose uh I uh, to be honest my my first mastectomy scar is absolutely lovely it's perfect you can hardly see it and then my second one I have what they call keloid scarring so it's quite thick quite red quite uncomfortable at times Mm -hmm. And it's the discomfort that probably bothers me more. Um, I was also aware I have three um, sons at home, and I wanted them to see me and not be worried about it. Um, you know, so now they've 
you know, they, I can walk around without my top on if I want to, and they, they can't even think about it. They'll ask me occasionally if it hurts. Um, but I think they just accept me for, for who I am now. Absolutely. And, um, I suppose in, in terms of your sexuality, I'm very lucky that my, it doesn't really matter to my husband. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's something you, you maybe think about, sort of always going to affect our sex life. Um, and we've been very lucky that, you know, it, it hasn't. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure for some women that would definitely, you know, maybe be something they would want to think about. Um, but I suppose for me, it was just, I wasn't necessarily defined by them before, okay. so I, I wasn't big-chested anyway, so I felt like I wasn't going to let them define me now, and I wow. feel my scars. Wow. Um, they've saved my life, mm. so I sort of look at them with love know, and from gratitude. That perspective. The, the only time I, I ever really think about it is when I go to the gym and... I have to, you know, I have a shower and then I have to get dressed. I do go into a separate cubicle, not because I'm embarrassed, but more I don't necessarily want to offend anyone else. Mm. You know, because although I'm I'm absolutely fine with it, I am kind of aware that not everybody else might be and I don't want to necessarily shock people. Mm-hmm. Although I have done my photo shoot now, but I suppose that's something they can choose to look at if they want to. Whereas I suppose if you're in the middle of a gym changing room... Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, it's a bit more difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's just, it's, 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 um, I'll say it is or it isn't. As you've said, you know, you're not, you're not uncomfortable. You, your, your children see it. And, and, um, I quite like that, um, we, we start to get used to things that are not always how we imagine them to be as perfect. And, and we, we start to embrace everything, really. Uh, I love that. And, and, and I suppose that was possibly a motivation for you to do this photo shoot where you, you pictures, beautiful pictures have been taken of you. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure you've inspired so many people that, um, you know, what is the norm and where, where, what is beauty and where, you know, as you've said, you look at your scars and they're beautiful. These scars saved your life. Yeah, absolutely. And I decided to do the photo shoot because um, we try and raise quite a lot of money as um, a company for breast cancer research anyway. And I just felt that I wanted women to know that it was actually okay and that you are, you know, you can still... It's still acceptable. You don't, I felt a little bit bullied when, to be honest, when I was, um, when I was told I had to have a mastectomy, the, yeah. the hospital were very, really encouraged me to, um, have a reconstruction. And I think they didn't really understand because I was quite young. I was only, you know, 43 when I was diagnosed. Um, I think they really couldn't quite understand why I didn't want to go down the reconstruction route. Mm-hmm. And I guess for some people, you know, they they wouldn't even think twice and just have a reconstruction. Whereas for me, I just, I was quite adamant really from the word go that I just didn't want to. Um, and that I, I felt happy in my own skin. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, if, if I have, I've had my appendix out, you know, so I have another scar there. Right. And, 
Mm-hmm. I've had a hysterectomy since having the cancer, um, and I have scars there as well. So I sort of think, this is me, this is who I am, oh. this is my body, and actually I am, you know, I, I have an amazing family. They all still love me. I still love them. Oh. You know, they, they don't care what I look like. Mm. And actually I I kind of love how I look now because I think, well, you know, they have saved my life and it's a constant reminder every time I see myself in the mirror to be grateful for what I have mm. as opposed to what I look like necessarily. Mm. What a, if, that, if that makes sense. Yes, it makes perfect sense. Um, and it's so, it's so wonderful. You know, we live in a society where we're so driven by the external, the appearance, the looking good, oh, the absolutely. staying young, you know, and to hear someone who's so at peace with, um, you know, how they are. And as you say, the scars, this is who you are. This is what you made up of. You know, you're surrounded by people who love you. But most important is that you love you and that when you see the scars, instead of going to panic or sadness, you go to gratitude, you know. Um, and that's just such a healthy mindset. And, and I, I really hope that many of our listeners who are listening are inspired by that mindset, Gemma, because it's... um it's 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 something we all strive for, something we all strive to have, that, that kind of very healthy mindset. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's far more important for women and men that we feel healthy yeah. and happy um, and that way we feel kind of empowered to make our own choices rather than feeling a pressure from somebody else to make choices that you don't necessarily want to make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and also when when I was told I had to have a mastectomy, I wasn't given any real life photos. I was given sort of a magazine with with pencil drawings in it. And the other reason I wanted to do the photo shoot was so that people do have access to what what you can look like afterwards. Right. Oh, wonderful, you Gemma. Know, um, Thank you. You know, and and I think that's quite important for women. You know, to 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 have access to all of that information before they have to make that kind of decision. Mm, absolutely. Well, Gemma, thank you so much. Um, I, I did want to talk to you about the fact that you carried on working. Um, you're an entrepreneur. You've been recognized for your work because with Addie, we were talking about the impact that cancer can have uh, in the workforce. But you worked on your own just very, very quickly, Gemma, before we do say goodbye. Um, how, how did have the, the cancer, how did that impact your entrepreneurial spirit? <laughs> Well, after my second diagnosis, I was trying to find some natural skincare. I couldn't really find any natural skincare, one that I could afford, and two that I felt um, was safe for me to use. So I decided, I do have a science background, so I decided to formulate my own products. And um, that is how Pure Mess. Um, came about. <laughs> so, um, in, in, if anybody um, wants some help or wants to know more about it, please feel free to email me. You know, I'm, I'm always happy to to um, talk to people, and if they're worried about, you know, what they're putting on their skin, and um, I've done several years of research now, so hopefully, I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. Fair, fair. And um, yeah. So that's how it came about, and I, I was I was given an award in June of this year by a Mums in Business National Business Award for Courage, which was amazing, and I'm sure. hugely grateful for that. Um, 
so yeah, I've really enjoyed it, and I'm just I'm I'm really happy that we're now help, helping other cancer patients, um, you know, improve. Well, f- feel good, feel good in their skin. Absolutely. Oh, Gemma, thank you so much. What, how inspiring you've been. Uh, thank you for your time. Continue with your incredible, incredible work. It's it's really been great having you on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Good luck to everybody out there. Thank you, Gemma. Take care. Go well. Um, thank you. Oh, thank bye. you. Take bye care. Bye. Um, there was Gemma Cockrell, um, a breast cancer warrior, double mastectomy. She has not had reconstructive surgery. Look her up. Look at the wonderful photo shoot and look at the creams. Um, the name of her company is, let me just have a look. It's called Ways Gone By, her skincare brand and specifically designed for people with problems with skin after therapy. Listen, we've run out of time. What a busy, busy show. I hope you have found it informative, inspiring. You know, I always do. It's been such a pleasure being with you. From me, Nikki Seberini, until next week, do take care. Goodbye.